Michaela Pogner, Associate Editor of Strip-Till Farmer. Welcome to this episode of the Strip-Till Farmer podcast series. I encourage you to subscribe to this series wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribing allows you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. Thanks to Source by Sound Agriculture for supporting this Strip-Till podcast series. Wake up your soil and unlock more per acre with Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a biochemistry that activates microbes in the soil to provide more nitrogen and phosphorus to corn and soybean crops. It's simple to use with a low use rate, tank mix compatibility, and flexible application window. Use the Performance Optimizer tool to determine where Source will work best to increase yield or reduce nitrogen. Either way, you win! Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's S-O-N-D dot A-G. Illinois farmer Rot Kashnig experiences a laundry list of benefits from strip-till. Yields, soil health, compaction issues, and standability have all improved, while his labor, equipment, and input costs, as well as erosion problems, have all decreased in the nine years since he started strip-tilling. In today's episode of the Strip-Till Farmer podcast, Rock talks about how strip-till has benefited his 3,500-acre operation, the equipment he uses to strip-till, what changes he's making this year to his fertilizer program amid an expensive fertilizer market, and much more. Here's Rock to get us started. We are currently around 3,500 acres, and we would prefer to strip-till every acre, uh, mm-hmm. even straight potash going on corn stalks that's going to go to soybeans. We have considered 15-inch row soybeans. I've, I've had 15-inch row beans in the past, but we feel that we get a better seed bed, better utilize, utilization out of our fertilizer, planting that seed right on top of the fertility. So if we can't cover it all with strip-till bar, we will spread conventional with our floater and then maybe do a vertical, just a light vertical minimum tillage pass to incorporate the dry fertilizer on, on soybean ground. And what is the scenario when you're having to do that versus all strip-till? Well, it's just a matter of time. It's just a time of getting it all done. And, and soil conditions, if, you know, if we didn't get it done in the fall and then we're too wet in the spring. But we really prefer to strip-till every acre. The advantages just outweigh conventional fertility and conventional planting by far. Uh, I think we're in year nine of our strip tilling. The first year, we hired 250 acres done by a custom applicator to give it a try. And we were very happy with how it turned out. We were stripping 16 and planting 24. We found out we could make that work. So we have a lot of marginal soil and uh, highly erodible sand. And we found that we can leave so much more residue and keep that sand cooler by planting between last year's corn stalks. Say, for instance, it's corn on corn underneath my irrigators. We suffered from stratification. For years, we uh, just spread our potash and phosphate on top, worked it in lightly, possibly with a little vertical tillage, and we weren't getting the fertility down to where it needed to be in the root zone. With strip tillage, we can place it on exactly on top of the fertility. 
we we have picked up our yields through the years. We've picked up our yields that we were never able to do before. You know, we throw what we thought was adequate levels of fertility on our soils, and it's just we weren't getting to where we wanted to be. And as people have told me, I asked a lot of questions from a lot of neighbors and people that were strip killing already, and they said it takes a little period of time for everything to come together, to break up those compaction zones, to get that fertility level down there at the level you want it to be, and everything come together, and they were all correct. We have loosened up our soils. We have a lot of very heavy, tightly, poorly drained soils. And when we were in conventional tillage, we made so many passes on the end rows that they were like concrete. And we never had crop there. Well, now we've got crop there. In fact, we've got just as good a crop there as we do the middle of the field. The labor savings and the fuel and the, the hours on the, the, you might say, the big horse, the big tractor, it's just phenomenal, the savings. Labor, you know, we used to have to get the tractor working ground a day or two ahead of the planter. So when the planter was took off, it could roll. Well, now we don't have to worry about that. Now we just plant mm -hmm. into, into the most beautiful seed bed you could ask for. Now, in northwestern Illinois, there's people with concerns about dryness. Well, that's one of, another one of the many, many good points about strip tillage is you, you don't disturb that moisture that's there from over the, the winter season. Mm -hmm. You conserve so much soil moisture. You plant an even emergence, even emergence when we, we you can use, you know, a uh, tillage coulter, trash whipper, and just get in the most ideal seed bed you could possibly ask for and the uniformity of emergencies where that pays off. Aside from all the hours on equipment and the wear and tear on disc blades and shovels and all the things of this nature, we, uh, we freed up a person now that he can, that person can uh, free up a person to start spraying right behind the planter rather than one or two people working ground ahead of the planter. So yes, you know, you have to be kind of dedicated and set up and ideally get your fall strip killing done on your heavy ground, but it certainly pays versus all the trips you save and the seed bed you gain and the, the soil profile. Uh, you know, we went to a lot of meetings and they, they mentioned uh, the earthworm activity and the benefits of that mi microbial activity in your soil. It is phenomenal the amount of earthworms that we find when we dig into that root zone for that germinating seed. And again, in our irrigated sand that gets so warm, that residue from the previous year's crop helps hold that moisture in and keep that soil so much cooler. Uh, a friend mentioned an example of walking on a beach of bare sand or walking on a, an area that's where there's grass, you know, mm -hmm. the difference in temperature the surface temperature of that soil. So that's a perfect example of what cover crop or last year's residue will do for you. So you guys are using cover crops too then? Yes, we do. We're somewhat limited as to how much growth we can get before our season ends. 
we definitely use cover crops where we'll take soybeans off uh, highly erodible land because uh, if we strip till, we can't leave bare sand. Wind erosion is one of our biggest enemies. So we'll go on there. I raise a lot of cereal rye on our marginal sand, and we'll, we'll go out there and we'll broadcast that rye as early as we can. If need be, we'll get it started growing with the irrigators. And then that provides us a really good cover crop when we do go in there to strip till that uh, wind erosion isn't such, such a concern. And what do you use to terminate the cover crops? We'll try to get in early with Roundup or a Liberty. Or, there's a multitude of products you can use. Now, with the way this world is turned upside down with our herbicide prices, uh, that's really going to change cover crops. But the earlier you can get in there, the better and, and get a good kill. And... Uh, Gosh, we've, we've had really good luck with cover crop on poor soil. The other thing is, you know, it helps conserve your your rain. When you do get rain, you don't have the soil, the runoff. You don't have the runoff, your steep slopes. That, that cover crop rye there will help stabilize that rain and let it soak into the soil rather than running off. How much precipitation are you guys typically getting in a year? I'd be guessing for what that number is. I can tell you this that on our sandy soils during the growing season, ideally we would like an inch per week. Our non-irrigated, that's sometimes very tough to come by. A lot of our sand uh, has very poor water holding capacity. Mm -hmm. How much of the, the 3,500 acres are irrigated? Oh, probably a third. And then for your soil types, are is it described as just sand or is there a specific soil type? Well, I know our heavy, tight packed soils that are really hard to grow a crop in if you fight compaction are uh, Booker and Montgomery. And I think some of the poor sands were, to, I think Dickinson sand loam is one that comes to mind. I'd have to do a little research on that, but we have all the above when it comes to soil types. Gotcha. And sometimes they're all in the same field. Right. That makes it difficult. Yes. You know, another thing, when we used to, and when we were in conventional tillage, we'd, we'd go in the spring and uh, say we'd have some areas in a field, maybe 5% of a field was a little bit too wet in the low areas. Well, there's where you brought up those clods and boulders and, you know, getting in there in a wet spot too early. Mm -hmm. And that was hard to create an ideal seed bed there. And uh, with strip tillage, you, that's one of the greatest parts of strip till is that good, uniform, mellow seed bed. Uh, last year, we found something kind of interesting. We had some very, very severe wind in our area. And uh, as I harvested the corn, if I would have had a wind policy on corn, I would not have collected. And I would be fence row to fence row with a neighbor. And on their side, they had flat corn and my corn was standing. And I've said ever since then, if you have strong roots, you have strong stalks. And uh, we had very good luck except for one particular hybrid. And they, they uh, the company knew that there was an issue with that hybrid. And it's been addressed by that company. But overall, on all our acres, we're very, very happy. 
with the standability of our corn. And I attribute mm -hmm. that to the root development and those uh, nutrients being able to go up in there and keep that stock strong and, and standing. Before we get back to the conversation, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Sourced by Sound Agriculture, for supporting the Strip Till Farmer podcast series. Wake up your soil and unlock more per acre with Sourced by Sound Agriculture. Source is a biochemistry that activates microbes in the soil to provide more nitrogen and phosphorus to corn and soybean crops. It's simple to use with a low use rate, tank mix compatibility, and flexible application window. Use the performance optimizer tool to determine where source will work best to increase yield or reduce nitrogen. Either way, you win. Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's S-O-N-D dot A-G. Now let's get back to the conversation. You're strip tilling in the fall and the spring, right? Yes, on our sandier soils, we use anhydrous ammonia. We pull anhydrous ammonia behind the bar. We have a nine ton dry tank on our Krauss Kuhn Gladiator strip till bar. And on our sandier coarser soils, we would prefer to put the anhydrous ammonia on in the spring. But with the crazy prices we are battling right now, our supplier locked in our product last summer and we needed to get it on last fall. So we got 97% of our corn ground strip tilled last fall and about uh, probably 90% of our ground going to soybeans strip tilled last fall. Wow. How does that compare to how you're usually splitting the time between fall and spring? Well, it it's all depends on the weather. We've had years when we got very little strip tilling done, and that created a much higher workload for spring. But uh, uh, my son-in-law runs a strip till bar, and I think the year before last, we were still stripping December 24th. If the field conditions are conducive, we roll. If it's too wet and we plug, and it's not conducive, well, it just means we have to get it done in the spring. We've been able to cut back a third on our dry product and uh, still feel we're getting adequate yields. And that is very, very substantial with where fertilizer prices are today. What is the rate that you're applying the dry product? Before the world turned upside down, uh, we would apply 100 pounds of potash and 50 pounds of MAP and 15 pounds of sulfur in the strip. Now that phosphate uh, has gotten so wild, we have gone to more just a straight potash formula and cut back to 120 pounds. We felt we were safe doing this because for years, years we had built up our fertility levels on land that I own as well as land that I rent. And so we had the levels build up to an adequate level. So we don't feel that we are... Uh, facing a problem with depleting fertility. And so is this year the first year you're going to be doing the straight potash? Yes, yes. This is the okay. first year we've, we've chosen to go with just a straight potash because of the crazy price of phosphate. What is the rate that you're applying the anhydrous ammonia on your sandy soils? We will shoot for 180 units on previous year's soybean ground. 180 units, and then we'll come back and side dress 
an additional 15, 50 units of 32% liquid. Corn on corn, we'll, uh, we'll go with 200 units of anhydrous as well as uh, side dress, uh, another 50, 50 units with liquid 32%. And are you soil testing? We'll soil test every three years. Is there a particular test or method that you use? No, we'll just have our fertilizer supplier grid test. We'll variable rate our seed in accordance with, uh, you know, fertility levels in the field and soil types in the field and yield history in the field. But as far as variable rate from our script-till bar, we're not. And what is the rate that you're seeding typically? On a very, very poor lighter soils, we'll go 28 to 30,000. And on our better, uh, more productive soils, we will go 36 to 38,000. Okay. With soybeans, uh, we'll shoot for, oh, 130 to 140,000 seeds per acre in 30-inch rows. And do you have any livestock? Uh, no, I did. I did for the first 33 years of my farming career, but... Uh, no, no, no livestock now, just all corn and soybeans. Earlier, you had mentioned that everybody that you had talked to when you first started strip tilling said it takes some time for everything to come together. How long do you think it took you and the ground that you're farming to kind of get to that point where strip till is really showing you these benefits and everything's working the way it's supposed to? We started out with a... Uh, 375 horsepower tractor on the front of a 16 row bar and we had our shank set at eight inches deep and the rubber tired tractor with eight really wide tires we were experiencing wheel hop from that thing pulling so hard and we had a little bit more of a, a problem holding a straight line with an articulated rubber tired tractor so the next year i traded for a uh, tractor with around 600 horse and on tracks and it's much keeps a much straighter line with your RTK guidance and with the more horsepower uh, we had more horsepower to pull that bar we have since backed up to about the seven inch level with that shank but during the growing season when we dig and check for root ball development uh, you can certainly see the benefit of that tilled shattered area where those roots have room to develop but to answer your question, uh, probably three years, three years before we could see uh, an easier pulling bar from breaking up the years of compaction in that subsoil level. Right. Are you still using that 600 horse tractor with tracks or are you onto something new? No, no. And the nice part about that is, is that tractor uh, isn't required to do any tillage. We have another track tractor that if there is a little bit of tillage necessary to smooth up end rows, uh, we leave that on a vertical tillage implement. The, the big tractor that stays on a strip drill, drill bar stays on it the whole year. It doesn't get unhooked from the bar the whole year. It just stays okay. on it. Okay. We, keep, we keep the hours. The hours uh, are so low that that tractor is going to last me a long time. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of tractor is it? It's a uh, 875 Cat Challenger. For your RTK, what are you using for that? Well, we have the John Deere. I think it's a 2600 
since our 2630, I think we're using the 2630 monitor. Uh, we don't have the most current up-to-date satellite technology, but it's been working. What, okay. what we have has been working. Our accurate, we're satisfied with our accuracy of staying on the strip. So uh, the, uh, the three levels of your GPS, your RT, RTK system is your most accurate with like sub-inch accuracy. Mm-hmm. My son-in-law is our technical expert. Okay. The, yeah, he runs the bar. I keep him in uh, tanks and fertilizer. Okay. And is it just you two mostly? Pretty much, pretty much until planting or harvest. But yeah, during strip tilling, two people can do it. I have to pull anhydrous tanks about 10 miles. Can range anywhere from two miles to 13 miles with our anhydrous tanks. And that, that takes some time, but you just have to be patient and stay safe. And uh, I can usually be back to the field with a fresh set of tanks before he's empty. Oh, that's good. And then you said you are running the Kuhn Krauss Gladiator Bar. Could you just kind of walk me through how it's set up? Well, our first original bar had a six-ton dry tank on it. Uh, we ran that for about four or five seasons, and then I traded for an identical bar with a nine-ton Montag dry tank on it. And it's a really great setup. We end up with a tilled work black zone, probably eight inches wide, eight to ten inches wide. And that black tilled zone warms up so much quicker in the spring than if you had, you know, an assortment of residue across mm -hmm. the whole seedbed. You're not mixing dry soil with moist soil in the spring from a tillage implement, such as a field cultivator. Such, there's just such uniformity in planting into that strip. So it sounds like quite a few people around you are strip tilling. Well, not a great deal. I, I'm really uh, kind of confused why more aren't. Um, we have uh, fertilizer companies that will, will offer that, and I think we'll see continue to see more in the future. But it's kind of a timely process of how many acres you can cover in a day when you're putting on dry and your nitrogen all in the same pass. But it's more time-consuming, but it certainly pays off in the spring. It is a considerable investment, but fertilizer is a considerable investment this year also. And when you can cut your fertility rate by a third and still hopefully maintain the same yields, if not better yields, you have a much quicker payoff when the fertility, when the fertilizer prices skyrocket like they've done. Right. This year might be the year that gets people to try something new. Right. I visited with uh, Anthony Montag at the Commodity Classic in New Orleans. And yes, they have seen added uh, interest in strip tilling. And the problem they rate, they, they're finding is, uh, you know, sourcing the products they need to build their bars and deliver, mm -hmm. deliver the bars to new customers. Yeah. Cause they're also dealing with the, all the supply chain shortage type issues. Exactly. Yes. Uh -huh. Was there anything else you wanted to mention that I didn't ask you about? Well, as I've shared with, Peter from Krauss Kuhn and Anthony from Montag, we are just so satisfied with the increase we've seen in our yields from strip tilling, the, the labor, fuel, equipment, wear savings 
very happy that we've made the move to strip till uh, nine or so years ago. Anthony Montag and his brother William came out, uh, I want to say the spring, spring of 2020, because I had 20 acres that was strip-tilled. I had nine acres on the south side of a concrete bridge that we couldn't get the strip-till bar across, so I had to rely on custom application of liquid nitrogen and fertilizer applied on top by a custom applicator. When I combined those two fields with the combine, my yield monitor, and I showed Anthony, there was 30 to 35 bushel per acre difference between the strip-tilled area field and the area where just all the nutrients were applied on top and worked in. Wow. It was the most, it was the most drastic comparison I'd ever seen. And I know you said you're trying the straight potash this year. Is there anything else um, new or different that you're trying out? Um, either no. this year or have plans to? Nope. No, every year is different. We'll, uh, we'll see where our prices are in the fall, and then we'll make our decisions there of what direction we're going to go with fertilizer mix. Thanks to Rod Kashnick for today's conversation. Look for an article about him and his operation in the upcoming spring issue of Strip Till Farmer magazine. If you're not already subscribed to our free magazine, you can sign up at striptillfarmer.com slash subscribe. If you're looking for more podcasts about Strip Till, visit striptillfarmer.com slash podcasts or check out our episode library wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, many thanks to Source by Sound Agriculture for helping to make this Strip Till podcast series possible. From all of us here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Michaela Pockner. Thanks for listening.